0: Hello, and welcome to The Parking Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the $100 billion parking industry and the people that make it go. I'm your host, Isaiah Mao, and this is The Parking Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Got a special friend with me here today. I have my cousin, Megan Leinhart of Leinhart Consulting. Megan, how are you doing this fine day?
1: I'm doing great, Isaiah. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, thanks for joining and I know we joke about being cousins. I can't remember exactly how that started. So are we, are we really cousins or is that just a joke because we're both Dutch?
1: Well, yes, we are both Dutch. Uh, my mom's side of the family is 100% Dutch and my dad has some Dutch in him, we think maybe. And the reason that we talk about being related is that my grandmother's maiden name was actually Mal. And I knew you for many years before I actually put that together. I don't know why, maybe because Mao was a, common and well known name uh, to me when I was growing up. But I think once you and I were chatting, and you mentioned to me that you had family in Michigan. So I finally put that together that you were Dutch. And that's when we started joking about being related. And I have a lot of family from our mouse side of the family who live in Michigan as well. So it's, it's a realistic idea. But there are also a lot of Dutch people in Michigan. So who knows, but we should really figure that out someday.
0: That blows my mind. I've never met another Mao apart from my immediate nice. family. So it's spelled the same in everything, M O U W. That's exact,
1: exact same way in Michigan.
0: Wow, man. Right? I can't believe I don't remember that. That's amazing. <laughs> so do you get a growing up in a Dutch household? My, my dad is 100% Dutch. Okay. Yes. My family's from Michigan. So all Dutch. Did, it, did you hear things like this growing up? If you're not Dutch, you're not much?
1: All the time. <laughs> all yes. the time. My, my uncle says that a lot.
0: Oh, that's great! Did you
1: grow up in an insanely clean house? Because it's a real situation in the Dutch households.
0: Almost to the point point of phobia. So my mm-hmm. grandma very, very clean. I mean, she would wear like bags on her shoes in the house, and and oh. just very particular. You know, coming over to her house if you had dogs, it was a
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was quite an experience. But not not so much in my household. I think we're very organized, but not as much
1: clean. Yeah, I don't
0: yeah. know. If that's the a Dutch
1: strange, are very clean.
0: History lesson here, but. A lot of the Dutch ones, they migrated over to the United States. A lot of them settled in Holland, Michigan, and also in a small town in Iowa. And then from there, they branched out to, you know, Wisconsin and Nebraska. But my family is all still in Michigan. Mm-hmm. I understand you're from the Nebraska, Iowa side, which is interesting. So you grew up in Nebraska, I believe?
1: Yes. So I grew up in Nebraska. I'm a very, very loyal corn husker. But My Dutch heritage comes and originates uh, in another town in Iowa called Orange City. My mom grew up there and most of her family still lives there. It's a great little town, but like Holland, Michigan, and Pella, Iowa, Orange City has very significant Dutch heritage. Many of the people who live there and are from there are Dutch. All the architecture downtown is designed after what, in theory, you may see in the Netherlands. I haven't been personally. And all all three of those towns also have a major event each year called the Tulip Festival. I'm thrilled to be actually going home next month to visit family and friends, and we're all going to the Tulip Festival in Orange City again this year. And I actually did go to college in Orange City as well at a school called Northwestern. Not that Northwestern, but a great school nonetheless. So I did spend a lot of time there growing up, and I did live there in college and met a lot of other Dutch people who you may or may not be related to as well.
0: Wow, that's, that's amazing. And I'm jealous because I've never been to the Tulip Festival in Holland, oh. Michigan. They have one every year as well, but we grew up overseas. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to go, so I'll have to add that to the bucket list. Oh,
1: it's sure. a real scene. You got to check it out.
0: All right. So you grew up in Nebraska, spent some time in Iowa. How do you go from there to big city Philadelphia and into the parking industry?
1: So growing up in the Midwest was great. I love it there. I always did. I love it more now than I probably did uh, when I was growing up, but I just always wanted to live somewhere else, experience another part of the country. I think I was around five when I announced that I was going to move to New York City when I grew up. And I guess I got pretty close moving to Philly. But before I graduated from college, I did an internship program in Chicago and absolutely fell in love with living in the city. So when I graduated and started looking for jobs, I pretty much just sent my resume to architecture firms in every city that I wanted to live in, mostly in the Northeast, Boston, New York, Philly, and then, of course, Chicago. And the way that I got into parking is actually because. I had always wanted to be an architect, but my school didn't offer it as a major, and I clearly wasn't that committed to that idea anyway. Uh, but really, I started to think about it more when I was graduating just because I loved college and really didn't want it to be over and miss out on just hanging out with my friends all day, every day. So I started to panic and think about ways that I could stay in school, and pursuing architecture was just one of many ideas uh, to stay in, in college that didn't pan out. But Fortunately, when I was doing this marketing internship in Chicago, I had an advisor there who told me that architecture firms have marketing staff and that I could still pursue marketing and work in that environment. And it's just such a crazy story because I think this was the only conversation I ever had with this person during my internship. And she pretty much changed the entire course of my life and definitely of my career just with this one conversation that I had with her one afternoon. Once I learned that I could still do marketing, which I had pursued in school and work in an architecture and design environment, I pretty much just sent my resume to every architecture firm I could find in every city that I was interested in living in. So that's what led me to getting hired by Tim Haas, who designs parking facilities. Once I had the job, I just moved across the country and ended up there. And now it's 13 years later.
0: That's amazing. I was thinking that the other day too. I've been in the industry for 13 or going on 13 years.
1: Isn't
0: that it is, crazy? That is crazy. So Tim Haas, I've heard great things about him. I think they did like a video about him in Korea, and mm-hmm. I was just fascinated by him and all the stuff he's gone through and just seems yeah. like a great man, great company.
1: Yes, his story is incredible.
0: Fast forward to today, you decide to start your own company. So tell us about Art Consulting.
1: So liner consulting, um, offers a number of services. Of course I do marketing consulting for most of my clients. Uh, that's my background and that's what I love to do. Obviously marketing encompasses many different things, social media, branding, technical content development. And I really like working with clients to develop a comprehensive marketing program that incorporates all of these things. So we can implement all of their marketing tasks. And I develop the strategies and content for all of that and work with them to implement their marketing programs, uh, working really closely with them. What I also do outside of marketing is I'm a lead AP and a ParkSmart advisor. So I am right now serving as a sustainability consultant for a few parking facility projects that are planning to pursue ParkSmart certification. And then I'm also an accredited parking organization site reviewer through IPMI. So I've worked with a couple of clients to guide them in that process of developing and submitting their APO documentation to IPMI. And I really like doing that because it's just another look into some of the more technical aspects of the parking industry.
0: Can I give you a testimonial?
1: Absolutely. I would love that.
0: So I'm very familiar with your work because you were our APO assessor for our company when we went through the APO certification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great to have help on this because it's a very big task and it's really mm-hmm. good. I think you did more than just kind of audit our facilities. You served as a project manager and just helped us through the process, which I highly recommend if you're a company or a parking organization thinking about doing this. So
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because there's the two sides of it. There's reviewing all of the documentation from, I mean, pretty much every aspect of the organization Sustainability, technology, HR, finance, and a number of others, but then going through parking facilities and, and looking at the ways that those ideas are being actually applied firsthand in, in your parking facilities. And you guys did a great job.
0: No, thank you. So, you're, I mean, at your age, you're, you, you have a good salary, you have a, a good position. What makes you decide, I want to leave all this and start my own company?
1: It's definitely not something I ever thought I would do, but I started thinking about doing this a few years back. I, had, I ended up spending nine years uh, working for Tim Haas, who, like I said, does architecture and engineering and primarily for parking structures. And then I spent about two years uh, working for a parking operator. So I was very fortunate with those two jobs, especially with Tim Haas, because I was given the opportunity as a marketing person to get involved as much as I could on the technical side as well. A lot of times marketing people aren't necessarily encouraged or even given the opportunity to do that. So I was really lucky there to do things like write articles and assist with parking studies and then being encouraged to pursue my lead accreditation and become a ParkSmart advisor and an APO reviewer. Those things really helped to expand my knowledge of the technical side in addition to uh, my experience with marketing. And like I said, a lot of people in marketing roles aren't necessarily given that opportunity. So I've always really enjoyed the technical side. So I started to think about how I could continue to do marketing, which I really love, and then increase those opportunities to do more work specifically related to the technical side, parking, transportation, and mobility. I also thought that I would be able to bring clients a really unique perspective given the combination of my marketing experience and background and my understanding of the parking industry. So I thought this was something that a lot of organizations would use and would benefit from. So I just kind of went with it and so far so good.
0: So, what is this ParkSmart? You said you're ParkSmart certified. What exactly does that mean?
1: Yeah, so ParkSmart is the sustainability certification for parking garages. A lot of people are probably familiar with the LEED program, that is the sustainability certification that a lot of office buildings and residential buildings get. Uh, ParkSmart was acquired in the last few years by the US Green Building Council. So they manage and implement the ParkSmart program now. And it's just what I do generally. You You can apply it to existing buildings and to parking structures that are currently being planned and constructed. So I work with the design team to go through all of the sustainability requirements of the program from design and technology to operations and management. Uh, and all sorts of criteria to ensure that sustainability initiatives are being applied to all aspects of the project. And then once once the garage is built or the mixed-use facility is built, then I work with them to pull all of the documentation together uh, to submit to the U.S. Green Building Council to get their certification.
0: Very nice. And just another, I guess, credential that you have. I sit back and look at your resume and I'm I'm blown away at all all the things you've accomplished or been a part of. You know, it seems like every month you you write a different article for the magazine. Mm-hmm. You contributed to some books. You've got the APO Park Smart Certifications committees. I think you won the Chairman Award a few years back. Mm-hmm. And that you did it all at a very young age. So we kind of came up together. So I you know I've always appreciated that about you because I think when we came in 13 years ago, it was more of a just a sort of a meat and meat and potato type of industry, if you will. Mm-hmm. So this is before, this is right on the verge of all that new technology mm-hmm. uh, coming into the industry. But because of that, I think that we can kind of tell our backstory, kind of how we got to know each other and work together. So we founded Young Professionals in Parking. We saw a need there. So I guess why don't you take it from there? Just kind of tell us more about the backstory of YPIP pip as we call it, and kind of how that came about and what we're doing now. So
1: Yeah. So like you said, really the short answer is I think you called me one day. I'm pretty sure I was doing a parking study at the time that you called me and we were chatting. I think you and I had both been thinking about it separately for a while about uh, the need for there to be a young professionals group in the parking industry, which there really hadn't been one up until that point. More broadly for me personally, I had been very involved in another young professional organization for the Urban Land Institute, which is a commercial real estate association, a pretty large one throughout the country. They have a very successful young leader group, and I was very active in that, both locally here in Philadelphia and nationally for a number of years. I actually turned 35 this year, which is their cutoff for being considered a young professional, which personally I think is a bit premature. Uh, So I'm glad that for YPIP, we landed on 40 as the cutoff because I'm not quite ready to be considered not young uh, yet.
0: (laughs) You're still young, Megan. Don't worry. Thank
1: you. Thank you. But yeah, as I I became more involved in the parking industry and over the years, many more young people have also joined, it became something that I and of course you and many of our peers, I think, thought was important to the future of our industry. Really building relationships among our generation of parking professionals, many of whom may not have had as many opportunities to get involved in the industry and meet other professionals as maybe you and I have had, but also to try and retain those great future leaders. I know for myself and you and many others uh, our age, we all have a great passion for this industry. I know there's a lot of us who started basically right out of college and we're still here. Um, so that really demonstrates our passion for this industry and that we want to see it continue to be successful for many, many more years to come, especially since we assume that we'll both be in it uh, for, the, for the ballots of our careers. So key to that success is going to be bringing up the next generation of future leaders and keeping those great folks in our industry.
0: Yeah, no, well said. And I think, I don't want to say you've been lucky or I've been lucky because I know you've worked your butt off but you know you you happen to be working with Rachel Yoka and Tim Haas mm-hmm. who I put on the the Mount Rushmore of parking and, and then myself I've got to work under some great minds and parking municipal leaders and so it's I realize not everyone kind of has that there's a lot of people that start in this industry and are on an island with no support so I think that kind of that mentorship and that networking that part of this young professionals and parking that that you help create has been very instrumental in a lot of young professionals life so Let's just talk more about young, young people, I guess. So going back 13 years, do you see a difference kind of then looking around the trade show versus what you're seeing now, I guess?
1: I have, definitely. Um, when I first started with Tim Haas, I was, like I said, immediately given the opportunity to attend state and regional parking events in particular. I was very often the youngest person there by many years, except for when you were there. Um, and I was also... <laughs> One of very few women attending these events regularly. It was, I mean, very male male dominated, like many industries in the past. Um, That's certainly not exclusive to our industry and may not even be as pronounced in our industry as it is in others, but it was definitely notable. And then over the years, we have seen many more women enter the industry and get into leadership roles. And we've also seen a lot more of the younger generation coming up, uh, getting the opportunity to be involved and get those leadership roles and opportunities as well, whether in their own organizations or with state and regional and even national associations. So it's definitely a very different landscape than it was when I first started.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm seeing the same things. And I think technology yeah, definitely kind of changed a role. I think there's more of value. I think young people now can bring a different perspective and and different things at the table in the industry now when it really wasn't happening 13, 15 years ago. So, all right. And what advice would you give a 20 year old that's coming in an industry now?
1: So as much as you can get involved, our industry is very close knit. I always say it's a much bigger industry than people think, but it's also very connected and I feel very, very lucky to pretty much have stumbled headfirst into this industry. And I think a lot of the reason that I've been successful is because of not only the connections that I've made through volunteering, but also becoming educated about all aspects of the industry and not just what my company happened to be working on wherever I was at the time. And so really just looking for those, in, for those opportunities to be involved and connect with others. I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I think you know, it's not just the national associations, you know, you have NPA IPMI parking today, but also state and regionals. I promise you, if you ask them where you could help, they'll find a place for you. But if I've had any success in my career, it's definitely been, like you said, just getting involved, getting on committees, volunteering to write articles, wherever I could help just to, just to learn more, network, and um, have fun doing it. So that's great advice.
1: Thank you.
0: I think we're both millennials. Okay, I so, so I don't identify with the millennial generation, but um. I'm I have to admit, I'm technically a millennial. I think millennials and Generation Z, which are those born, I think, after maybe 2000 or after 9-11, they usually get a bad rep. You know, there's a lot of funny videos about interviewing millennials and mm-hmm. and, and they're on their, their phones and all that. But I guess what would you say are some of the value or benefits of having young people on your team?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's funny that you say that, that you don't necessarily identify or feel like you fall into that group as well because I've really always considered myself a very old soul and the joke is always that I have more in common with the baby boomer generation or even the world war ii generation given my (laughs) my very old soul status and it must really be like,
0: those that Dutch foundation, because I'm the it, same way. That's great. It
1: might be. I connect with that generation very well. Um, but I probably do have a lot more in common with millennials and maybe even Gen Z than I think. Like The fact that I really don't like talking on the phone, no offense. Uh, that would be one thing that sometimes I struggle with, yet I'm ironically am addicted to every other part of my phone other than the actual phone part. So that's probably a strong millennial and gen z trait that i carry myself but there're definitely a lot of benefits of hiring or working with our generation both millennials and gen z both are extremely tech savvy i think you and i are both somewhat there and then our generations i think sometimes rely maybe a little too much on it perhaps but we've just grown up with technology always at our fingertips in various ways and Really, our learning curve when it comes to new technologies or social media is a lot quicker, I think, because we understand how these things work. So it's easier for us to figure out a new technology or a new social media platform on our own. And that's something that's really important and a great strength for organizations who want to stay up to speed on new technologies, new social media, market trends, and then integrate those concepts really in their daily activities. I think both of these generations also do have a number of personality traits that are really beneficial to organizations, especially moving into the future. I know a lot of us are very motivated to succeed and are very driven, very adaptable, assuming you set up expectations clearly ahead of time. And we're, of course, always eager to learn more. And then we're also a very collaborative generation and value teamwork, which is a great strength and very beneficial in the office environment and in group environments, especially kind of at this point in history where we have a lot of organizations trying to bring together three or maybe even still four very different generations of people. A teamwork mindset, I think, is essential and will continue to be moving forward as these organizations continue to try and figure out how to blend all of these different generations together. Because when you think about it, once Gen Z is here, we'll have Gen Z and millennials and the somewhat forgotten about Gen Xers um, and baby boomers, who is a very large group and are going to continue to be in the workforce for at least another decade, possibly. Depending on where you are, so I think a collaborative strength in our couple of generations to kind of bridge that gap is is going to be important.
0: No, very well said, and and I have to agree that you're right. I'm the same way. I can't stand when someone calls. Please, please text or email me. Right. But I've, I've realized though in my career that you know I used to want to hide behind the keyboard and send an email, and I realize certain people that you know the best thing to do is to pick up the phone and mm-hmm. call your client let them hear the emotion in your uh-huh.
1: voice
0: as, as painful
1: as, as it is, as it is. There's, there's no better way to ruin my day if i'm texting someone than when they write can i just call <laughs> you because my heart just <laughs> sinks but sometimes and we've all been in those situations where something goes or a communication or a statement goes completely overblown or out of control as the emotion wasn't necessarily reflected appropriately in, in texting words so of course it's still beneficial but I'm glad to hear I'm not the only one who likes yeah. talking on the
0: phone. No, I'm right there. And there's a great Key & Peele skit about <laughs> texting and getting lost in translation. You'll have to check it out. All uh-huh. right. Well, that, that that was a wonderful answer and I appreciate all the work you're doing with young people. I guess personally, what do you like to do in your spare time when you're not parking cars?
1: Really, I love to travel. Travel is probably my main pastime these days. I travel a lot for work. And when I do travel for work, I always as much as possible, try to get to somewhere that's not work related in the city that I'm going to. I didn't travel a lot growing up. So my work travel has given me the opportunity to see a lot more of the country and even the world than I ever thought I would get to. So even when I do travel for work, I try and get out and do at least one, one or two things that are not related to being stuck inside at a conference all day. So my favorite pastime.
0: So I have a magnet board. So I traveled so much these past 12, 13 years that same thing. Anytime I go to a new city, I try to go to a museum or Mm -hmm. something that's famous about the city and I buy a magnet and my magnet board got so full, I had to buy a second one and now I'm buying a third one just because I have so many magnets from all these work trips that I've gone on. So do you know how many states you, how many states you've been to?
1: 42. Ironically. I mean, I grew up in a tri-state area and went to three states, Two states I went to every single day. Three states I was probably in on a monthly basis, Nebraska, Iowa, and South Dakota. And yet somehow when I got to college, I had only been to six states. So ironically, the eight states, most of the eight states that I have not been to are ones that we could have very easily traveled to and I think also touched Nebraska on the West, Western edge. So those are pretty much all the states that I have yet to go to are ones that are within very close driving distance of where I grew up. So I just need to do a really good road trip one of these days. And then I haven't hit Alaska or Hawaii, so I've got eight more.
0: All right. So I got to hear the story about, I was told to ask you the story, you're you're skydiving Uh and something goes wrong. Take it away, Megan.
1: Oh man. So I did go skydiving maybe 12 years ago at this point. And before we took off, they said, "You're gonna fall for maybe 10, 15 seconds." We actually paid the additional amount to take the plane like 8,000 feet higher or something. And we jumped out, and I just remember falling and being like, "This seems like a really long time to fall, but maybe my concept of time was just off being 15,000 feet in the air. And the parachute finally opens, and we're slowing down and everything. and the guy who I was jumping tandem with was freaking out. And before we had jumped, he had told me this was like his 800th jump or whatever. And he just didn't, he wasn't reacting as someone who would have done this 800 other times. And I was, I said, what's going on? Is that, did I do something wrong? And he was like, no, our, our parachute didn't open. And so, (laughs) and I had always imagined when you, when your parachute opened, there would just be like a sudden jerk and you'd go up. And we were still kind of falling rather quickly or faster than I would have expected at this point in the jump. And I said, well, is it open now? Because when you're, when you're jumping, you can't talk to them. So we had slowed down to the point where we could finally have a conversation. And he said, yeah, but I almost had to cut to the emergency chute. So fortunately he hadn't had to cut to that. And he seemed more concerned about his career and getting in trouble for it than he was that we were free falling for much longer than we were supposed to. So I think it's a, a fun story, especially because I got to fall for a lot longer than anyone normally does. But it, they messed with my video a little bit, I think for liability reasons, because <laughs> yeah. it really it got lost. Was happening. Yeah. But everyone on the ground, especially the people who were filming and the people who knew what they were supposed to be looking at, all knew before we hit the ground that there had been a problem because he had no way of communicating with them. And the second that we landed, they all told me to hug the guy who just saved my life. So I think it's a fun story, but I would love to go again, but I don't know that I want to tempt fate either. So I can at least say that I did it once.
0: Well, that was my next question. I'm assuming you're never going to go again, but you're, you're wanting to get back in the saddle.
1: It was pretty awesome. And whenever I see it done on television, I get really excited. My voice said, I won't pursue it again. But if ever anyone wants to go and they need somebody to go with, I would probably do it again. What are the chances it's going to happen again?
0: That's what they all say. I think (laughs) think it's funny too that you did your first skydiving around the same time I started the parking industry. So we were both kind of free falling into this parking industry at the same time. Perfect Megan,
1: analogy. I
0: try to wrap it up, man. <laughs> but Megan, thank you so much for joining. And that blows my mind. I totally forgot that you have mouths in your family. Uh huh.
1: We may actually be related.
0: And the best part is my brother, he does valet, part-time valet. So oh. he's been doing it since before college and he's been doing it, whatever, 14, 15 years, but he's been doing it longer than I've been in the industry. And he does it like special holiday or, you know, a couple times a year, but he, he jokes he's been in the parking industry longer than I have. So
1: that is so, so funny.
0: I was going to say, it's good to have another Mal in the industry, but <laughs> there's a few of us. All right. That's a wrap. Megan, thank you so much for joining. How can listeners learn more about you and your company?
1: You can check out my website, linerconsulting.com. L E I N A R T. Most people add an H. So don't do that. Um, you can also follow me on LinkedIn, and you can follow Line Art Consulting on LinkedIn as well.
0: Well, you are a millennial, so I thought you were going to tell us to follow you on Snapchat, and, and uh, what are the other ones? Instagram? And-
1: I don't but have those for professional yet, and pretty much every time I use Snapchat, I end up accidentally communicating with the wrong group on Snapchat, so I'm not quite ready for that yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I could say from experience, I've used her, our company's used her, and she's done a great job. And so do yourself a favor, check out her website, look her up on LinkedIn. But Megan, thank you so much for joining. I had a blast. Have a great week.
1: Thank you. I had a great time.
0: To our listeners, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Parking Podcast. Please leave us a review and tell a friend about our show. It would mean a lot. This has been a production of Synchronicity Media, produced by me, Isaiah Mao. Our music and score is by Zona. Our show art and design is by the talented Allison Gilly. You can follow us on social media at The Parking Podcast, or you can find our website with bonus content at parkingcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in two weeks.